Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I just had one of the most amazing transactions happen to me just a couple of minutes ago, and I ran to the phone as fast as I could to go ahead and call you because I'm like, we have to talk. So was having a conversation with one of my friends, my homeboy from New York, hey, and he, we were pretty much talking about traumatic experiences, right? And I just told him, I said, you know, go ahead and do what needs to be done. Do the hard part. Do the work. And he brought up a very important question that just went over my head. I'm like, wow, okay. His question was, what is the work and how do I do it? And it never even dawned on me that a person can have a problem but not know how to fix the problem. And not dawned on me as in, oh, you know, I haven't even fathomed. It's just I made the mistake of just thinking just the phrase go do the work just was self-explanatory maybe because I'm on the other side of getting healed receiving my healing knowing when something is the issue and knowing exactly um how to go about fixing it either God showing it to me or me feeling prompted to look something up and knowing yeah this is an issue and maybe also because I have a continuous posture of I am a student to an issue I do not leave the classroom of life until a certain issue is no longer an issue and I can tell that it has subsided by the way that I respond to it the next testing around because that's the thing about life, right? You never know when you are completely healed from a thing until you are faced with it again. And you're like, oh, I responded differently. Look at me growing. You know, you feel, you, that's how you get your confirmational piece. And so, so we're speaking about traumatic experiences. And I just had an awesome conversation with him. You know, a lot of the times we don't even factor in that, you know, women have or most women are dealing with traumatic experiences because either daddy issues, terrible heartbreaks, and all of that. And we really tend to women. And sometimes we overlook that men have issues too. Men have mommy issues that then trickle over and bleed over into their relationships. And so, you know, and then men also have, some of them have daddy issues. And so I don't think that we whether male, female, there's not a instructional book on, hey, this is how you fix it. So this is what this conversation is going to be about. This conversation is going to be based on how do you release the pain? How do you un-ice, how do you warm up the icebox of your heart? The pain in your soul, how do you release that? And how do you just get to the point that you're like, you know what, <laughs> something needs to change. And so after having that conversation with him, I'm like, woo, we need to go ahead and have that conversation. So the first step, which I totally commended him on, was thank God that you at least recognize something is wrong. So in that conversation with him, he was kind of beating himself up because he's like, I don't have the love for my mother the way that my friends have. You know, and I feel bad sometimes because, you know, what she did to me, he was naming me some things that he absolutely positively, you're justified in why you feel the way that you feel. So the first thing I told him, I was like, hey, listen, first step is forgiving yourself. It's okay. 
not feeling how you think you should feel or how your friends feel about their mother, not feeling that way does not make you a bad person. You probably would feel the way that your friends feel about their mother if you had their mother. You see what I'm saying? So first step, we're going to just erase the tormented sentence. You're not a bad person. Just really soak that in. I am not a bad person because I don't jump up for joy when my mother calls or, you know, if I don't answer every single phone call when dad calls or, you know, that I don't just feel this extra um, to, hey, I want to go visit and hang out with parent or, you know, your issue may not even be parent. It may be the aunt and uncle that raised you, the grandma and grandpa. And you just feel like, why don't I have that just innate sense of hurrah, let me go hard for the person who raised me or was there and. And that doesn't make you a bad person. I do not think that it's human nature to go toward, um, you know, innately to gather toward, to, to get closer to the very source of your pain. I don't think that that's human nature. I don't think that we get burnt by the stove and then feel this need of, hey, let me get closer to the stove again. I think we get the dog biting us the first time and then we know <laughs> dogs are bad. And I don't think that there's a difference between that and a traumatic experience with someone in your life. We don't look at you know, the verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive parent and say, ooh, let me get closer to you. It's just, that's just not it, right? So the first step is absolutely positively eliminate the guilt that you should be or that why don't you because of your reality, point blank, period. Let's go ahead and deal with that. Release that from your mind. Because I felt that when I was younger. Actually, I had that told to me when I was younger. You know, my stepdad loves, loved, loved, loved his mother. I mean, oh my, I've never seen somebody love their mother to the, I mean, just the pieces of it. Mommy, mommy, are you okay? And, you know, part of it was funny to me when I was younger. I was like, you still call her mommy? You got gray hair? Like, this is, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. But... His experience with his mother was different than what I had with my mother and what my friend had after this conversation that he had with his mother. So I used to feel that guilt of, man, how come I don't feel like that? Because that wasn't my experience. That wasn't the, 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 the cards that I was dealt for this hand. And I'm not getting ready to feel bad that I have all clubs in this spade game. I'm going to make this 10 and this jack walk as far as I can in this spades game. But if it don't, don't get mad at me. That's the hand I was dealt. You know, and, and I'm not victimizing the person. I'm just saying, let's just deal with reality. Let's just deal with reality. You need $30 and your parents gave you $5 lifestyle. What? You're going to be upset your whole life because you don't have the extra, you know, to, uh, to equate to the 30. No, just realistically, they gave me $5. Okay. I don't have the whole 30, but I don't have zero. Because once you recognize where you're at, then, you, you know, everything else is easier to sort through. They always say that, you know, it, acknowledging is the first step, right? So just acknowledge where you at. You know what? My mother didn't give me the best start, you know? Praise God that I'm breathing, but you know, kind of, you know, like I said, got had some clubs in this game called Spades and um that's just the reality of it. And then once you get there, like I said, sorting through everything else becomes a breeze. A painful, uncomfortable, but 
more or less at some point a breeze. And I think the other portion of that is it is so there's such a relief that comes over once you realize that you are not the only one. I think a lot of the times as we're navigating through this thing called life, life kind of has this way of making you feel like nobody else is experiencing what you're experiencing. Like you're the only one that has that dysfunctional relationship. You're the only one that has. And I think that's why we gravitate toward people or we feel such a <gasps> exhale when we finally hear you too. Oh my, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, because that happened. And I thought that, and then you just start to feel this, you know, this release within of like, oh, thank God, because someone relates to you. And that's why I think it's such a danger not to share your story. No, you don't want to be an open diary, you know, to any and everybody. There's a danger in that, I believe. But I do believe that there is a protection and a level of freedom when you get free and you're able to let someone else know, hey, look, I'm on the other side. Listen, this is what it looks, this is what freedom looks like. Come on, follow me. You know, Harriet Tubman it out, right? You know, I love me some Harriet. I'm, I'm always bringing her up, right? It's okay. Let, let, let me live. Let, let me do what I do, okay? But do you see what I'm, how I'm connecting this? It's just the operation that is needed. And you need people in the room that understand. Nobody wants to have the unveiling of operating on a painful part of your soul. And you got people who feel like strangers, you just you just want somebody that is like, oh, so you do understand? That makes the whole process that much easier. You're not scared to go ahead and, okay, so let's start the process. You see where I'm, where I'm going with that? And so the first step, like I said, um, or what, like I told him, I said, distance yourself from the pain and forgive yourself. I don't think that we can heal in the very same place that we got sick. I don't think that we can continue to embrace the person that is stabbing us. And they not, no shade on the person doing the, you know, peripheral stabbing, but just there needs to be some distance for there to be some healing. I'm not saying cut people off. Don't get the cut off ministry spirit in you. Cause I don't, I'm not trying to translate that, but just, okay, there's a problem. Let's pretend this is a severe mold issue in your home. They are going to prompt you to leave for a set amount of time for some treatment. You understand? If there was a severe lead issue, asbestos, whatever, you would have to leave for a certain amount of time for there to be the healing that is required, for there to be the treatment that is required. So the same thing is needed for your soul. You can't be broken and stay in the same, it, it ha, you have to move. That is why when you need severe healing, they put you, God forbid, rebuke it in the ICU. Because you need to be removed from regular people so that your healing can take place. You need to be removed from an area that could possibly continue to make you sick. And you need to be over here in the ICU of your soul. And the portion about forgiving yourself is what I was saying in the beginning. I told him, hey, you are not a bad person because you identify, listen, I don't have 
the relationship that I want to have with my mother. I think a lot of times we take on the guilt that we really should not take on. It is not your fault. You are not a bad person. Let's just go ahead and just wrap it up, right? So that's step one. Distance yourself from the pain and forgive yourself. Step two, I told him, get it off and out of you. I believe that torment has a place to multiply and replicate because we have not removed it from our soul. You, it's not a matter of talking about it in bits and pieces and in passing. No, you need to have a session of regurgitation. You need to be vomiting it out. A lot of times it looks like going to therapy. A lot of times it looks like writing it out in a letter. A lot of times it looks like calling said person up or someone that you can, you know, if you don't have access to that person that caused the trauma, then calling someone that you really, really respect and say, I have to get this out and just bleh, get it off and out of you. And this part is a caveat. I would prefer that you speak to the person in due season about that particular trauma, but it's not necessary. You don't need closure. You don't need to look the person in the eye. You just don't. Getting it off and out of you is for you. It's not for the other person to know, this is what you did to me. It's just, it's done. And what my, my example to him was, people who have experienced the trauma of being raped eventually when they get to a place of healing and their their soul allows them to forgive, they don't forgive because they were unraped. You know, the people who experience the murder of whomever, they don't forgive because the person is alive again. There is not an undoing and then the forgiveness happens or the healing happens. It is a getting it off of you and then the healing is ushered in. You see what I'm saying? So getting it out of you, just blah, just get it all in one setting. Just And if it looks ugly, if you start snot crying, if it, whatever it looks like, get it off of you. Be brave enough to unpack that thing and say, look, it's probably going to smell um, when I open this up. But nonetheless, it needs to be opened up. And just seriously... Leave no stone unturned in the area of the hurt in your soul. Like make it a weekend of I'm just cleaning house. And that house will be literally your soul, your pains, your wounds, what have you. That is the most crucial part. Because sometimes we get so comfortable in walking around in that ice cold stage and that um, preventative, you know, keeping everybody else at arm distance. Sometimes we're so broken that the healing is actually more painful than what it was to walk around broken. Because if broken was your posture, you know how hard it is to try to have literally the right seating posture when you've been slouching your whole life and you can, it looks worse. Slouching looks worse than actually sitting upright. But if you started to train your body of no, I need to sit, arch, shoulders back. That actually hurts. And isn't that weird that the correct way hurts and that the wrong way that you've been accustomed to feels comfortable 
it's the same thing with our soul. You know, the moment that we start unpacking this, it's like, ooh, this is poof, painful. I know lock it, right? Mm-mm. Like, can we do something? Is there an intravenous uh, healing? I can, a supplement, a little mixture, muscle milk, something that we can do. Yeah, I'd rather drink this or um, inhale it of some sort. It's not an albuterol inhaling uh, healing machine that I can, no? Okay. Yeah, I'd rather go through 16 tattoos in a row. I'd rather give birth to contriplets um, than to start this healing process because, bro, this is painful. At least I can say, you know, with the tattoo, give me a minute. Whew. Or, get, or give me some more, um, uh, what's that, epidural. Yeah, I'm going to need some more of that. Healing is just a, yeah, once you open the door, it's like only way through it is to get through it, right? I mean, essentially, that's what it is. And then the third step that I told him, I said, Write down the pain. Write it down. Whatever it is that a person said, whatever it is that a person did, write it down and then realize they didn't know any better. So if they said such and such to you and it was piercing to your soul, if they did such and such to you, it's not that they did not know, ooh, this is the wrong thing, but clearly they didn't know that there was another way to respond. When your parents said, you know, that painful thing to you, you know what? Can I be honest with you? People only give out what they have within. People only dish out what they've been receiving. I mean, honestly, if they knew a different way to respond, wouldn't they have done that? And I'm going to be unveiled for a minute right quick. My mother told me some time ago that my grandmother used to call her the B word, female dog, all the time. Beep, 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 She And her words to me was, she called me it so much that I thought it was my name. Oh, yeah, I'm making the same face you are. Well, initially I did when she first told me. That to the point, my mother called me the B word as I was growing up. It was almost like, because she said that she made a promise to herself that I would never call my daughter the B word. And when she had a daughter, guess what she did, right? She passed on the B word. And so it was B, B, B. But it was so fluent in my household because it was so fluent in her household. So because that scared me that she actually acknowledged her mother called her that. And so she was going to try her best not to call her daughter that. And she failed. I went a step further. I said, I'm not going to curse at my children. Because at least if I broke that barrier, then I wouldn't jump to the B word, right? And so that is something that I've been able to upheld. Now, when I was young in parenting, oh, it flew out. But then I made a little sub-vow. They won't hear me curse unless they know they did something really, really bad. But then when I became wiser, it was just like, look, it's another way to hurt their feelings, and I don't need to do that. Because, again, when they have their households, I want them to replicate health. The, health, the healthy household that I feel like I didn't have, at least verbally, right? And so people, again, only replicate what they saw. And so I had to ask my friend when I was talking to him, I said, tell me about your mother's past, you know, her childhood, what happened? He was like, well, you know, she lost both parents when she, um, when she was younger, and I was like, oh, okay, so who raised her? And he was like, well, there were so many siblings that kind of raised themselves. 
I said, oh, okay, well, how many siblings were there? He was like, like seven, and I think she was the fourth. I said, oh, okay. So let me tell you what that looks like. Because a lot of times, let's be honest, right? Parentheses. A lot of times we don't look at the one that's abusing, the one that's hurting us. We don't see life from their point of view. You know, we're not wired to. But you need someone that actually has the eye to help you heal, to make you see that. So in comma or in parentheses. So I said to him, I said, oh, okay, let me let you know what that looks like. So she has no idea to on how to have a relationship um, or to the people who were supposed to teach her how to love. They were gone from a very early stage, right? So learning womanhood, seeing husband and wife interact, seeing mother and father react, seeing daughter relate to father, seeing daughter relate to mother, all of that is foreign to her. Then you add on the added issue of she is the middle child of a huge bunch. So how do you think a child Um, especially a middle child with a huge sibling group, how do you think they learn how to be heard? Hmm? How do you think? By screaming. Right. And so I'm sure her octave, she couldn't do the, "Mm, excuse me, she couldn't police academy, not in seven siblings. No, it very much needs to be, get out of my room. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you, it needs to be sparked because you need to be heard because it's seven of y'all. And we already know the middle child, they have a different kind of experience, you know. So she was probably f- further removed from the fact that, wow, mommy and daddy still died. And she wasn't the baby where, you know, but it still was something there that it's like, ah, I need to be heard. And I don't know how. And I can get lost in, in this sauce if I allow myself to. So what so what's not about to happen is. And so she developed a very strong personality. And so then she married someone, probably not even knowing how to really truly love. And then she had a child, truly probably not even knowing again how to love. Yes, you can have a child and still be clueless on how to love properly. Because there is a huge difference between being a mother and being mommy, being a father and being daddy, being a father and mother. That's already a blank slate that's on a birth certificate where all they have to do is go ahead and write your name in. Being mommy and being daddy says, I cater to your individual need and what you require. And a lot of people don't know how to do that because it wasn't shown to them. They weren't given what they needed and so they don't know how. And so when I gave him that and I said, write down the things that she said, write down the things that she did. And then step back and look at that list and said, she didn't know how. Now that doesn't omit the responsibility that she had to you as her son, but it makes sense logically. Sometimes we need to compute heart matters and soul matters with the brain. She didn't know how. Can we have some sympathy in that? Not erasing her responsibility, not erasing what she did. No, she very much said that. She very much did that. But she did that on a second grade education. Like, can we look at it like that? And then I asked them the hard question. I said, the people that you hurt in your past, if they came up to you and said, why did you do? Could you really put into words the why? 
and and successfully make them feel better? I mean, honestly, is there something that your mother could say right now that would erase the things that she said and did? The real answer? Be human. The answer? No. There's nothing that she can say to to soothe over what she actually did. And so we need to heal that by looking and saying, man, I expected something of you that you can't give me. And you know what that does moving forward? As you're releasing all of that gunk in your soul from the past, you're able to empathize with the person in front of you. You're able to empathize with, wow, you know what? I am looking at the mirror image of what I can possibly carry out to my children and to the people closest to me and the people that I care for. I will possibly mirror that if I don't heal. Because guess what? That is your reality. That is what you have received. And I just said a couple minutes ago, you only dish out what you have within. It only, no, you didn't, you didn't just black out. You didn't just get a temper, you know, uh, all of a sudden when somebody did something bad. No, you always had a temper and somebody put in the right sequence code and guess what? Now they getting that work. It was always there. So don't have it where certain situations occur and then you're like, I'm only ugly in these circumstances. No, just take the ugly completely out. And if there's situations where you feel like you need that, then you need to remove yourself from that point blank and the period. Have a nice day, okay? And so when you have a different perspective of, wow, you they don't know any better. I asked him, I said, you remember the regents and all those tests we had to take in high school? He was like, yeah, yeah. I said, if they gave you that test right now, you wouldn't pass it because you are so far removed from the education of high school that, it, you just, you will flunk it. And so I want you to look at that as the same thing with your mother. She is so far removed from a healthy lifestyle that even given the opportunity to try to do it now, she would fail it. And that doesn't make her a bad person. That just equates to she doesn't know. She didn't know. And we can go on to the other aspects of what well, she should want to do better. And she, no, I just told you healing hurts. Healing is painful. It is not a walk in the park. And that's why you can't expect for people to do it. You need to do it for yourself. So the challenge here is I'm going to challenge you to do exactly what I told my homeboy to do. Write down, first of all, let the headline be the person that you need healing from. Ex-relationship, person who raised you, person that you came across at work, what have you. Go ahead and write down the name, okay? Because we're going to go ahead and know we're going to do the work. You're going to do the work of releasing the pain. And you're going to write down exactly what was said, exactly what was done to you that was painful to you. I don't care if you have to cry while you're writing it. You're going to write this down. And then I want you to back away from the paper, meaning I want you to have a bird's eye view, put the pin down and say, they didn't know any better. You know what helped me heal from my past when I started making sense of, oh, she didn't know any better. My mother talked to me like that because her mother talked to her like that. That relationship was painful because he was carrying a pain from his childhood. Oh, 
And when you start to have a different, that posture and that level of understanding and that level of, for lack of a better word, it's not pity, it's sympathy. When you can empathize with someone and go, wow, I get it now. It wasn't that, you know, you was purposely sent to just cheat and hurt me and blah, blah, blah. You've never seen a healthy relationship grow up. So how would you know how to replicate that? And that's not excusing the person. That's just identifying, I'm sorry for keeping you accountable on something that you didn't know. I'm sorry. And let's just be honest, the generations before us and all of that, they weren't really, you know, as prone to, you know, self care and change and healing as we are I just feel like there's a movement in our generation that's like look I'm trying I'm trying to get get be the healthiest form of me because we're identifying yo a lot of stuff that happened when we were younger that was toxic and more than ever we're protecting our energy you know we we're very much like "Mm -mm, not doing this and but that means we have to do our own work you see what I'm saying so write down those things like I said whatever was said whatever was done and then really empathize with, wow, I wasn't their victim. They are the victim and they're just dishing out whatever was done to them. Sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, but you know what? I'm not going to hold them responsible for anything anymore. I'm just, I'm not. That's unfair. Yeah, such and such uses drugs. And, you know, I'm not going to take that personally. They have an addiction It's not that they don't love me. It's not that, you know, how come you relapsed again and I don't get it? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the fact you have not reached a level of being strong enough to kick a habit. It's emotional as as well as it being a physical addiction. It's an emotional wound. It's all kind of things that they're probably submerging, all kind of things that trigger a person to go back to using and relapsing. It's none of your business. And you know what? It's not because of you. So we need to stop taking things so personally and just look at people like, you're still, you're still broken from something in your life, but I can't choose to carry that for the rest of my life. So like I told him, one major move, one difficult move of starting the healing, one one move to change the rest of your life, one uncomfortable move to be comfortable for the rest of your life. So I want to challenge you to do the work. Do what you know needs to be done so that you don't have to pass that back down, that you don't have to replicate that toxic behavior, language, whatever it is, it can stop here and it could be obsolete just like payphones and VCRs. Yeah, it once was existing, but it's obsolete in your life and going forward for your bloodline. Do you see what I'm saying? And I, I'm confident that you got what you needed on this call. I feel like this is a huge release. I can actually feel that you're like, oh my goodness never seen it that way and I love that because these conversations are life provoking conversations but I want you to do the work of releasing the pain so that we can shine baby we're strivers right we don't hold on to stuff that is not helping us grow oh no we're smarter now you know generation has the internet I, I wish you would carry something that's obsolete in your life we're not carrying pay phones to any portion of our life anymore you see what I'm saying sit up pop your collar look some kind of way shoulders back baby okay I feel like you got what you needed 
Go do what needs to be done. I'm going to go ahead and let you go. But as my good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Go write your list, baby. And I'm going to check up on you. If you need me, you know my number. Go ahead and call me back, okay? But if not, I'm going to check on you. Okay. I'll call you back later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> later. <laughs>